Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. October 18th, and this is your daily financial news. Lots going on in the financial world today, pretty much like every day, but a lot of interesting topics for you and I to just digest. So let's just jump right in. There's a gentleman named Mark Mobius uh, is painting a pretty bleak picture. He is out talking on CNBC and Bloomberg and other financial networks, talking about the Fed having to raise the federal funds rate to 9%. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about why he is saying that. And then let's talk about the chances. Because again, if the Fed takes the Fed funds rate to 9%, does that take the 10-year treasury to like 11 in mortgages to 13 or 14? That is a scary, scary proposition. But let's step back and talk about where Mark got 9%. Generally speaking, all the economic data points to the fact that when inflation exceeds 5%, the only way to beat inflation is to get the federal funds rate above inflation. So again, where Mark is going with this set of knowledge is saying, hey, if inflation CPI headline is 8.2, well, then, of course, the Fed has to get rates to 9%. Sounds cute. Sounds scary. But let's, let's pull that back just a little bit. First and foremost, as we have talked about for the last 6, 9, 12 months, the Fed's favored inflation gauge is not PPI, not CPI, not CPI core. It is PCE, personal consumption expenditures. And while PCE is bad at like, I think, 4.8, 4.9, it is not 8%. So the first thing that I want to point out is if we're going to get the federal funds rate above inflation, I do not believe it will be CPI and certainly not CPI headline, it would be PCE. So instead of nine, we might need six. Still, still scary, but six is not nine. Next step. One of the things that we have talked about and we are about to probably talk about more is something called the base effect. You can think of the base effect as 12 month, 12 dominoes, right? Just line them up. And when they report the next month, that becomes domino 13. And what they do is they drop off the domino at the front because they only want 12 months. Why is that important? Well, what happens because we have had inflation for so long now is the base effect is getting bigger. What does that mean? Well, if you are comparing today's inflation to a year ago and year ago it was 0.1 and now it's point six for the month, it's a huge difference. It really jumps the number. However, going forward, starting next month, 
our base effect will be much bigger numbers. So we will see an, I almost said artificial. Artificial is not the right word. We will see a scaling back of inflation because of the base effect. It's just how math works. So then instead of having, I don't know, a PC at 4.9 or 5.3 or whatever it is, you will see that brought in simply because of the base effect. So again, I do believe as I stand here today that the Fed will have to get Fed funds above inflation. But A, let's not confuse ourselves. It's not CPI, it's PCE. PCE is much lower. And second, let's not forget that as months go by, the base effect will be impacted. Hey, Sonny, how are you? You want to say hi? This little guy was climbing on my leg, so we'll try to do this with me holding him. So again, uh, Mark Mobius is out trying to create some fear. He probably has some puts on or some currency exchanges. Who knows? Just people talking their book. So again, I do think the Fed gets it above inflation, but it's not CPI headline. So let's not, uh, let's not get it twisted. Next up, I uh, got a couple of quotes from a couple of gentlemen I follow, Gary V and Tom Ferry. One second. There you go. So again, one of the things that I'm really trying to work on for myself and trying to lead by example for you is getting, getting our heads right, right? Because we are entering the scary times. Tom Ferry wants to point out that anything you do today will only bear fruit next year. I think that is really wise advice, right? If you follow one rental at a time, we talk about a buy box, do the work, understand average, only write great offers, that talk track. If you buy my course today, for example, you're going to have 90 days. You won't even be writing offers until next year. And that's okay, right? Work that you do in Q4 will pay will bear fruit in 2023. 2023 is going to be a rough economic year for most. But if you watch this channel, you do the work, you're prepared, you will take advantage of it. So how to get started one rental at a time is a place to be if you're a buy and hold real estate investor, if your stocks, maybe Minority Mindset or Tom Nash, any of those other great creators, stocks are definitely not my thing. But again, what you do today will bear fruit tomorrow. I thought that was wise advice. And then Gary V, somebody I watch almost daily. He's basically, hey, folks, be thoughtful about your spending. In my world, this is called needs versus wants. This is not a time to go ham on wants. This is time to protect yourself, protect your family financially, and stack cash so you can get ready to buy assets on sale. You get wealthy when everybody is scared. Let's do the work. Let's get prepared so that we are not fearful when the opportunities come. So. Shout out Tom and Gary. Mortgage forbearance. Remember all those folks talking about mortgage forbearance uh, causing the great real estate crash? It was going to be all of this wave of inventory coming on the market to just crash housing prices. Well, according to Black Knight just yesterday, I want to make sure I get the number right. Here we go. Mortgage forbearance. You know, those millions and millions and millions of homes in forbearance that we're gonna crush the real estate market. Unfortunately for those folks counting on forbearance being the thing that's gonna crash the market, it is now down to point, point 
six, nine percent. We're not even one percent of the market still in forbearance. We're at 0.69. It is a big fat nothing burger. In fact, in totality, the number of properties in forbearance is 345,000. Also, I want to put this out here just in case somebody else tries to scare you with forbearance next month. You will see forbearance increase. Why? Why will you see that? Well, folks, we just had a nasty hurricane in Florida. And one of the things that you will see for all those folks that have homes on the, what would it be, the west coast of Florida, there will be lots and lots of forbearance requests. So it would not be shocking to see forbearance up 100% next month. Don't let people scare you. This is natural. Forbearance is what happens when natural disasters occur. The asset that was there is no longer. It doesn't have any value. It takes a while to get rebuilt and so on. So again, forbearance is not going to provide uh, the plethora of uh, distressed listings that some folks thought it would. Prepare for 2023. This is really building on what I'm, I'm hoping this channel becomes for you. It's scary out there. There's some scary headlines. But again, how do you beat fear? You understand it. You see through it. Right? We go from three and a half to 7% unemployment. That is terrible. That is probably 3 million more unemployed. It is also 93% employed. So again, these are just things to think about. So again, prepare for it. Take advantage. Earnings. First thing we have is Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs came out, beat top line, beat bottom line on strong bond trading. A couple things about Goldman Sachs. I think there's a video coming out today with Taylor where we talk about Goldman Sachs. And I'm like, I don't know. Seems like they're setting up for a kitchen sink quarter. Why did I think that? Well, if you watch Goldman Sachs or you watch the financial news, they are shuffling the deck chairs. They are consolidating or changing their consumer markets. So what I saw going into the earnings today was, hey, let's take a charge against earnings. Let's reserve for bad debt. Let's throw it in. It flat out didn't happen. I saw nothing in Goldman Sachs earnings that would lead me to believe it was a kitchen sink quarter. So again, I was wrong. Good numbers, beat top line, beat bottom line. But they did say they beat on strong bond trading. This is the second time we've heard this. We also heard from JP Morgan that essentially uh, they're making money by just parking cash, $1.2 trillion. So I do wonder if in the next 90 days, Wall Street starts letting people go. It just doesn't take as many people to let the money earn interest. Private equity, acquisitions, just not as big a deal. Active trading, I don't know. Uh, the other thing to think about, again, we got in, uh, the Bank of America CEO, Brian Moynihan, I believe his name is. He had a very interesting discussion on CNBC, and there was one line that was important. He talked about the average checking account. Right, The average checking account going into the crisis was like four grand, now it's 11 grand. Interesting. That's not the interesting part. What is interesting to me is the average 
account holder at Bank of America is cash flow positive. What does that mean? Well, again, you got to remember Bank of America, like 38 million accounts. Auto deposits come in, bills go out. At the end of the day, the consumer is cash flow positive. So they're actually building savings. That is very interesting. That is very interesting. Again, what do I see going on in the economy not done since the 70s? I see the employee winning wages, job transfers, all of these things. It is very interesting to think about. And one of the things that I think about here today after listening to five or I've listened to four, I got one more to watch, bank earnings um, calls, is maybe banks are a nice place to be. I don't know, right? If, if you got to be JP Morgan and you're paying your depositors 0.1, but you earn 4% in a bank, that's a hell of a return. You just churn that over every couple of weeks or whatever it is. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good way to make a living. I don't know. We'll see. Biden. I don't know if you heard this, but it looks like Biden is going to release 14 million barrels, 14 million more barrels of oil from our strategic petroleum reserve. I have a problem with this. I have a problem with this. This is clearly being done for one reason and one reason only. To swing votes for the November midterm election. It was always my understanding that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was for emergency use only. It is not meant to be a tool used by politicians to swing votes. This You can't look at this any other way. I am not left or right, blue or red. I just I try to live in the middle. I think I think when you live on the edges, that's where you make mistakes. But come on, we all have to look at this going. This is dirty pool. This is dirty. This is this is dirty. We're going to have to fill this thing up eventually. You can't just keep releasing. We'll eventually have nothing left. Not cool. Not cool. Recession. Oh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg Bloomberg did a review from CEOs. And it is now 100% CEOs. Now, it's a small sample set. It's less than 100. But still, 100% of them expect a recession in the next 12 months. That is interesting because, again, I have been in these boardrooms. I have been around 10, 12 people making decisions about a company. And trust me, when the CEO and, more importantly, the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, thinks a recession is coming, they go through all the budgets, they close recs, they don't outlay capital, they go for terms. It is, it is coming. And I think this is coming to the Bay Area, Silicon Valley in a big, big way. The Silicon Valley has been spoiled for a while now. So we will see what happens when layoffs hit the Silicon Valley. A couple of things. Again, one of the things I love to do is give back. I love to bring on my experts for Saturday deep dives. If you are one of my course members, you will see this Saturday where we will bring on Matt, the mortgage guy, for all of us to learn how to read a mortgage bid or quote. There's all these numbers on it. Some are fixed, some are not. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that you and I can learn in that discussion. And you'll be able to ask Matt questions about what is going on. I know I have several lined up for him again. So what you'll probably see tomorrow or the next day is a Zoom invite. 
I will put it in our Facebook group and I will send it out on Teachable for all of you to see. So if you want to be a part of that, you don't have the course, you need to buy it. Also join the Facebook group. It is private just for us. It is easily worth the cost of the course, getting around thousands of other people doing the work, posting wins, asking questions, networking. If you join, send out an introductory comment. Uh, just tell us who you are, where you're at. Let's, uh, let's get to meet you. And then another sold out event. Uh, the one rental at a time event on November 12th is sold out. The November 19th event, which I'm a little part of, is now officially sold out. I told you it'd be sold out by Monday. It sold out about three o'clock yesterday. So the guys in Fresno are trying to find a way to get a couple more folks in the room. But as of right now, it is sold out, sold out, sold out. So a couple other things to point out. Uh, got another, watch the video from Minority Mindset. Shout out Minority Mindset. He, if you want to change your money mindset, track your spending. I agree. One of the big things that Olivia and I did 20, wow, 22 years ago, man, that's been a long time, is we tracked our spending for several months. And then we went back and we did need versus want. It was amazing how much money we were wasting on wants. As Gary Vee says, this is not the time to flex, right? Get your money right. Understand where your money is going. And then Patrick Bet David. Patrick Bet David is out talking about the day after the 2024 election, we are going to see the largest rise in the stock market. I suppose he is saying this because he thinks that the uh, Republicans will win the White House. Obviously, he, he skews that way. I don't think that is a secret. What I would think about that call, that's a very bold call. I th what I have seen in the stock market is the stock market is a forward thinker, thinks ahead. So if the stock market thinks and likes the idea of changing presidents, the, the stock market will move ahead of time. I don't know. That's just what I, that's always what I've thought. I don't think people are going to wait on bated breath. I think the 2024 election um, is critical uh, for the country and we will see what happens. I think it'll be fun to figure out who's actually running uh, for that. Uh, student loan forgiveness, it looks like 8 million people have already applied. That was yesterday's number. I'm sure millions more have applied since then. Uh, I thought there was something interesting about China. China has indefinitely delayed the release, <clears throat> excuse me, release of their third quarter economic numbers. That doesn't smell fishy, does it? Yeah, of course not. Uh, what else do we got? I think that's it. Yep. All right, folks, have a wonderful day. This was your daily financial news. Like, subscribe, comment, become part of One Rental at a Time. We are here doing the work every day for you over a thousand days in a row. I hope you have an amazing Tuesday. Do the work. Have fun. Bye-bye.